We're going to take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians this morning. Now, as a heads up, I just want to warn you, the first time I ever preached this passage was at an elementary school chapel. It took about 12 minutes, but I guarantee it's going to take a little bit longer today. But what I would enjoy from you is a little bit of feedback as I ask you questions. Please don't feel like it's one of those times where it's church. I'm not supposed to talk. My part is done. I'm only supposed to talk when I sing. No, I would invite you to participate with me this morning. We're going to focus on the fact that in this passage, we are told that we need to be like Christ. In fact, when I was putting the notes together, I gave him the vow this morning or the other day, and I said, Val, I just want you to know that to get a full half page of notes, I had to enlarge the text and put a lot of empty space just so it looked like people were going to be able to walk away with something this morning. When you do walk away this morning, I want you to walk away with what God's word has to tell us. And that's from this passage that we need to be like Christ. But first, I got a question for you. Can you name any superheroes? Anybody? Can you name a superhero? Go ahead, throw it at me. Okay, we got Batman. I heard that one clearly. What else? Wonder Woman. Somebody said Spider-Man. You got another one? Captain America. Anybody else? The SEAL team, right? Yeah. What else? We got Black Panther. We got Superman. We got all these names we could throw out. How many of you have a favorite superhero? Raise your hand. You're like, Tony, remember you're talking to adults, not kids. Okay, fine. I get it. I get it. How many of you, when you were a kid, had a favorite superhero? Okay. When I was a kid, I had favorite superheroes, okay? My favorite superheroes were Spider-Man. I also liked Batman, right? Because as a kid, you want to have that very intimidating voice, right? So I liked that. I liked Superman. I liked Iron Man. And I liked the Hulk. And as a kid, yeah, you, you laugh, like you look at me now. Yeah, thanks, Larry. Yeah, thanks a lot, right? No, no, I had something to aspire to. That, that's what it was, okay? So I had these favorite superheroes. As a kid, I loved to read about their adventures. How many of you have ever read at least one comic book in your life? Right? Okay. Yeah. Then I liked to sometimes watch the cartoons. And now when I watch the cartoons that I saw as a kid, I might have my kids sit down. And I'm like, hey, watch this. And I'm like, why did I watch that? What was I thinking? And this is definitely not as cool as what I thought it was. At times you could see a movie, but I'm telling you, like the first Captain America movie compared to the ones they've done lately, there's a huge difference between those two. But as a kid, there were some of the movies I was able to watch that I enjoyed. I loved playing with the toys, but most of all, I loved imitating those superheroes. How many of you, like you don't have to raise your hand high because you might be embarrassed, but how many of you are willing to admit that at some point in your life, you imitated a superhero? And then there's the rest of you that are like, I just don't want to admit it. But look, I loved imitating them. There were things I would do. First, let me ask you this. What does it mean to imitate? If someone said to you, give me a definition of imitate, what would you say? To co copycat? Is that what you said, Mike? Okay. What else would you say? Dress or act like them. Yeah. What else would you say? Kind of like that, that kind of summarizes most of it, right? We copy them. We dress or act like them to copy someone, something, or to follow an example or to mimic someone. Me, when I would imitate these superheroes, here's the kind of things I would do, right? I would swing around like Spider-Man, okay? I told Christina, I said, I'm going to try to do it this morning. I just hope I don't split my pants. And she said, please, just don't split your pants up in front of everybody, right? You would have that thing where you were like, and you were like Spider-Man all over the place, right? 
That's what you would do. How many of you ever pretended to be Spider-Man? Right? Okay, a few of you. Okay, so I pretend to be Spider-Man. Then what else did I would do? I would dress like Superman. He by far was one of my favorite superheroes. So as I aged, it didn't matter what age I was, the pajamas always fit, right? And it was pretty clear from the pictures that that was not the case. But as a kid, I was like, it just makes me look stronger when they come up higher on my leg. And then we have those pictures uh, that I look at at home and I see myself doing one of these in the picture. And I'm holding up the chair. And I was like, I was a strong three-year-old. But off to the side, you see my dad doing one of these, right? So I would pretend to be Superman. I would fly around. And yeah, my dad would be the one laying on the ground like this, right? Holding me up. And I was like, I could fly. I could fly when I was a kid. I would climb the walls like Batman. Do you remember Adam West Batman? Right? And I was amazed as a kid thinking, how in the world is he climbing the wall? And then when I realized it was just they turned the camera sideways and he's doing one of these, I was like, that's not as cool as what I thought, but I can pretend like that. I can imitate him. As I got older, of course, I often drove like Batman. I just, uh, my Honda Civic, it didn't hold up as well when I went over the hill and landed. And six months later, my dad said, hey, what happened to the car? Yeah, I was kind of airborne for a while and bent the frame. I just forgot to tell you, right? My little Honda Civic was definitely no Batmobile. But here's the other one, right? I would imitate them. Obviously, I still look like the Hulk, right? <laughs> At least to my kids, but that day is coming when, when no longer that will be the case. Have you ever tried to imitate Christ? Maybe somebody's asked you that before. Have you ever tried to imitate Christ? And right away in your mind, you might come up with a, an answer like this. Sometimes, sometimes I can, and I can do okay sometimes. Maybe you would say this. I've tried, but <laughs> it just doesn't go well. Like it starts well, but then it just doesn't go well. It's completely, completely impossible for me to imitate Christ. That might be something you would say. Maybe you would even look around and say, I I've tried, but I'm not as good at it as, and you throw a name in there of somebody else. Well, at the same time, they're over here saying, I've tried, but I'm not as good as, and they throw your name in there. And maybe you've even gotten to the point where you're like, I'm not even going to try anymore. It's not even worth my time. I fail so miserably that I'm not even going to try to be like Christ. God led Paul to write in this passage to tell us, no matter how good you think you are at it, no matter what you have done in the past, you must try to be like Christ. We read in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. You're his children. Be like him. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's the question I have for you. You see the word therefore? What did Paul just share to everybody? Do you remember what he just shared? Look back up in Ephesians chapter 4, start in verse 17. And here, as we read to the end of the chapter, is what Paul has just told his readers. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him 
And we're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If you had to summarize, what is Paul telling them right now? Paul is saying that Christians you must try to be like Christ. Every Christian, all the time, as much as you possibly can, you must try to be like Christ. Now, will we be able to 100% be like Christ for the entirety of our Christian life? No. But is that what we should aspire to? What we should be striving to do? The focus that we should have each day in each situation, as much as we can to be like Christ, the answer is yes. You and I must try to be like Christ. So let's break down this first verse. Therefore, be imitators of God. Why? Because you are his beloved children. You belong to him. How can we become imitators of God? Yeah, Tony, I get the idea that we should be like Christ. We should be imitating him. But how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to know more about him so that we can end up being more like him. We need to put in the effort Expend the energy to study, to know more about what God is like so that we can be like him. The best place to start in figuring out who God is, how to be like him, is by making sure that you have a personal relationship with him. You may be sitting here this morning saying, I love this whole Jesus thing. I love being at church. I enjoy what this community has to offer, but I feel like I might be missing something. Maybe this is what you're missing. At some point in our life, each one of us has to come to a point where we admit that I am a sinner. Not because I'm not a good person, but because the Bible says you are a sinner. That God has a standard of perfection, of holiness, and you have failed to meet that standard from the moment you were born. And you are condemned by God to be separated forever, to be destined to hell, where God who the holy God who sits in heaven says, I want you to join me in this perfect place that I have built for you where I want to fellowship with you, but because you're a sinner, I must keep you separated. You have to admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus came to die on the cross in your place to forgive you of your sins, to take upon himself the punishment for your sins. And you call out to God and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I am a sinner. I must be forgiven. Please make me part of your family. And when you become part of his family, you know that now I am getting to know more about God. Because the more I know about him, the more I can be like him. The more I understood Spider-Man, the better I knew how to dance around the room. 
If I was really going to aspire to be like the Hulk, I know he's a strong guy, so I would have had to put in the effort and energy to be like him. If I want to be like Christ, I have to know him, to be following him, to be learning more about him. I need to spend time studying my Bible. I need to be very personal in my Bible study. Well, I get it on Sundays and that's enough. That is not enough to help you learn about who God is. Because I guarantee you, we don't cover it all on a Sunday. I mean, you might think, Pastor Berger, I've talked a long time. But it's not that he's talking about the whole Bible. Imagine if he stood up here and just started talking about the whole Bible and he said to you, I'm going to give it all to you before you leave today. Right? We don't talk about all of it. So you need to put in your personal study to make it a regular habit to be very intentional. Not just, and every time I go to read my Bible, I'm just going to flip and see what happens. Be intentional about it, right? You've read a book before. It always works better when you start at the beginning and finish at the end, as opposed to just kind of like, today I'll read page 34 and see what happens next, right? We be intentional about our Bible study. And we take God's word, what we learn, and we think through, if a Christian back in those days chose to do that with the Bible, how can I apply it to my life today? And then we do go to church. We don't just depend on church, but we need church. It's not the only place we learn about God, but it is the place where we fellowship with other believers, where we go, where we worship, not just in singing, but by hearing God's word to grow, to be more like him, where we spend time, uh, church is done. As soon as, I, as soon as it's done, as soon as he says amen, I'm out of here. Maybe spend some time sticking around, talking to people. Share with them the things that you could use help with and listen to what they have for needs and get involved if you can. Because the more we get involved, maybe one of the better ways to learn more about who God is is to become the person who's teaching people about him. Because you put in your own effort to learn about him before you share with others. And commune with him in prayer. A regular thing, not just a, hey, I really need help. I'm going in to talk to my boss and I don't know what's going to happen. It's got to be more than that. A regular conversation with him. To praise him for who he is. To thank him for what he's done. To ask him, if you can, to intercede on behalf of others. We've done that already this morning. Praying for Sherry. Praying for the man family. We've been praying for others throughout this week to say, Lord, please intercede as you would see fit to help them and listen to God as you pray to hear what he has to say. Friends, I ask you this question. What did God do? We're supposed to be imitators of him. What are some things that God has done that we can't do? What would you say? So he's been perfect. Yeah, we can't do that. Raise the dead. Not able to do that. Right? Like, wouldn't that be cool if you're like, ice cream, boom, there it is. Right? Or like, Eagles, Super Bowl, boom, there it is. Right? What's that? Yeah, he walked on water. How many of you have ever done that thing where you tried to walk on water? Right? And you're like, you feel pretty good until you see somebody go a little bit further. Yeah, it doesn't work. We try, but it doesn't work. What are some other things he did that we can't do? Yeah, he read people's minds, right? Yeah, like, there's that. I'm going to mention that. Here, look. Some things that he did that we couldn't do. He created everything ex nihilo, out of nothing, with just his voice. He split the Red Sea for the Israelites. Some of you who are fishermen, you're like, man, I wish I had the power over water like he did. Then I kind of like pool all the fish into one little spot and it'd be a whole lot easier, right? He remained sinless on earth. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He read people's minds. Where the Pharisees, he heals the man who was lowered from the ceiling. They don't even say out loud what they were thinking and he turns to them and he confronts him. Man, parents, how many of you would love to have the ability to read your child's mind? Yeah. Husbands, how many of you would hate if your wife could read your mind? Right? 
Jesus, God, had this power. Let me ask you this question. What did God or Jesus do that we can do? He shared the gospel. He loved people. What else? Showed compassion. What else? He wept, right? Anybody else? He prayed. He witnessed. Forgiveness. He was willing to forgive others who hurt him. What else? Witness, right? We could start making a big, long list. I didn't make an exhaustive list, but I made a small one. He conversed with God through prayer. Did Jesus regularly pray with God? Yeah. Was he willing to tell God the things that he wanted? And was he willing to tell God the things he didn't want? Yeah. Some people that I've talked to before, they're like, I don't really want to say bad things to God or tell him what I don't like. Jesus did. I'm not saying that should be the only thing we pray about, but it's okay for us to commune with God in that way that Jesus did. He read, studied, and shared scripture. He helped the needy. He comforted his friends. You know, sometimes I don't even know what to say to my friend. You don't always have to say something. You guys know that. We've said that before. You're aware of that. You've had somebody comfort you, and the most comfort that you were given was just the person who was there. You know, somebody comes and they say, how can I help a friend who's struggling? I just, just be there with them. What does that mean? Be there with them. Jesus was willing to comfort his friends. He loved those who were around him. And that's as we shift to verse two. That's exactly what Paul was talking about. He said, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. As you look at this verse, how would you answer this question? What does it mean to walk? Let me first draw your attention to this symbol. How many of you have ever seen this crosswalk symbol before? Right? Okay. Maybe not this exact one, but you've seen this, this guy, right? Um, this individual. 2018, 19, I don't remember. We were with a group from the church in Portugal. And when we were in Portugal, we went to a grocery store. And I'm not so great at reading Portuguese, but I can see pictures and I can know what they mean. And I was standing in the grocery store at one side of the aisle, just looking down at the other end, and they had one of these symbols up there. And for some reason, all of a sudden in my mind, I thought to myself, I wonder which leg people see in the front, the left leg or the right leg? Yeah, I don't know why. How many of you see the left leg sticking out front? How many of you see the right leg sticking in the front? How many of you can make yourself see the opposite? Like, you see the left now. Can you force yourself to see the right leg? Can you force yourself to see the left leg? It's just kind of weird though, right? One, that I would ask that question. <laughs> Two, that you're like, what? Here's what got really weird. Pastor Art, would you say it was like six months ago we were talking? Maybe that, sometime in the last year, right? Or maybe it was during COVID when it was just us at the office and we're like, what's that? Everything was during COVID, okay, okay. And I posed this to Pastor Art. I said, hey, when you look at that, which leg do you see in front? I don't remember what answer you gave right away, but I remember it going something like this. Hmm, I don't know. Let me see how I walk. <laughs> and he walked down the hallway, and I looked at him, and I went, dude, you don't walk like that. And he goes, yeah, I do. I walk like this. I said, nobody I know walks like that. He goes, yeah, I do. And I said, no. And I went up and I think I might have helped you kind of like, and he goes, oh yeah, yeah. Is this what it means when Paul says walk? Like Jesus walked like this. I mean, is that what he means? No. What does Paul mean when he says you need to walk 
like Christ. He means you need to act like him. You need to live like Christ. Your daily activity, day in, day out, live like Jesus did. And apparently that means to live with love. What does it mean to love? If you were to describe to somebody what it means to love, what does it mean to love? The, the word care definitely shows up. Yeah, you mentioned the word compassion earlier. What else? To give preference. That's a good one. Put someone else's needs in front of yours. Mercy is a good word to throw in there. Unconditional. These are all great words. Sometimes I feel like love is that word that you're like, I know what it means, I just can't put it into words. And then you're like, I'll just default to, oh. In context here, what does Paul mean? To like someone enough that you are willing to do anything for them. And you could probably say anything for them first. Because in context, Paul says this, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, as a sacrifice to God. I stumbled on this picture years ago and it made me think just a little more tangibly the fact that Jesus, when he died on the cross, died for people. Not just for the sins of the world, it's true, but for the sins of every individual. I know he didn't physically have my name written on his body when he died on the cross, but he died for me. He died for you. Which takes us back to that, do you know you have a relationship with him? Because this is what he was willing to do. Instead of God sending a rescue to take his son away from the punishment, God sent all the wrath he could right upon his son to protect you so that you could have that personal, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul says that sacrifice of Jesus, to be turned upon by his father, to suffer the wrath of an eternal God, the eternal wrath in your place, that's the kind of love you need to show to other people, to sacrifice of yourself other than his death on the cross. How did Jesus show love to those who were near him? That sacrificial love. Think through his life. How did he show love to other people? He washed their feet. Yeah, I have kids. Feet can get stinky. He washed adults' feet. But that idea of being a servant to others. What else did he do? I'm sorry? His compassion. And you could give example after example after example where he said, this person needs me in some way and I will give to them. Somebody else over here mentioned something. He healed them, right? He didn't have to. I mean, think about some of the people he healed. They were the kind of people that people, that, that others didn't want to touch, let alone get even close to because of leprosy. And Jesus just walks up. We know he's Jesus. But from a human perspective, he walks up and he engages them and puts from himself time and effort into them. How else did he show love? Mercy. Definitely mercy when it wasn't deserved. Somebody? Yeah, love to one another. That's, a, that's the one that we often forget about, right? Even in showing love to others, he shows them an example of how to submit to the authority, to his father, to God. Anything else? Ways that he showed love? Teaching the truth, right? Even at times where it was inconvenient, where people might not like what I have to say, I will still share the truth that God has me here to share. Yes, sir. I love that you chose that word. He was unconventional. 
Sometimes we get caught up in, this is what it means to show love, and these are the only ways I can do it. And Jesus was like, I'm going to do it every way I possibly can to every individual that I possibly can. I try to narrow it down. Again, not an exhaustive list, but to think through situations or circumstances that Jesus found himself in to say, how did he show love? He talked to people. He talked to people no matter what their job was that they held. Even if it meant that they were sitting on the side of the road and this was their job was to beg beg for a living. Jesus was willing to talk to those individuals. He was willing to talk to them no matter what their gender was, no matter how old they were, no matter how healthy or unhealthy they were, he took time to talk with them. And then you kind of flip it and think about it this way. He took time to talk to them no matter what his schedule was like. Have any of you ever been busy? Whatever it was that was making you busy and you knew that this was the moment, this person really needs to talk to me. It's either I devote my time to this person or I get my thing done. Anybody ever been caught in that situation? There were times where Jesus did his thing, but there were times where Jesus set his thing aside to focus on people. I mean, if we were to say Jesus was a busy guy, I don't know, how do you summarize and say Jesus was a busy guy? He was a carpenter. I'm sure he had some work he had to do at some point, but he took time to talk with his disciples. His whole busy was being around people but he had to be selective about who he helped. And there were times where he just focused on this individual. They deserve my time. No matter the location, no matter whether he was comfortable with the situation or not. I mean, we often talk about Jesus and Nicodemus, right? Jesus knows the future. He knows he's not going to be attacked and killed when he's with Nicodemus. But from a human perspective, we always talk about how it was probably uncomfortable for Nicodemus to come to Jesus Is there a chance that it could have been a little uncomfortable for Jesus to be clandestine talking to his enemy, so to speak? Right? Jesus was willing to talk to these individuals. He helped people out who were around him. He prayed for them, for his close friends, sometimes intervening, saying, God, please help them. At times saying, God, please change them. Eventually even saying, God, please prepare them for when I'm not even here. He also took time to comfort others. We talked about that. Those who were sick, those who were needy, and I don't care how you wanted to define the word needy, you know a needy person, however you wanted to define it, would Jesus be willing to help that person? I mean, think about Peter. There's a needy guy. I gotta talk about this again with Peter. But he was willing to do that again and again and again to help the people around them, him, to be patient with them. He cried with them who were suffering loss again. What do I do? Show up, be with them. Jesus wept. There's nothing wrong with weeping. He was passionate about the people that he knew, about being with those who were suffering. He wanted to just physically be with them, to encourage them with his words, if possible, to be that physical presence near them. He was willing to help those who were around him. How did he interact with his parents? We don't have a lot to work on. There's a few things we could say. When it comes to his interaction with his parents as he was younger, he obviously respected their commands. The guy was perfect. He didn't talk back to his parents. I'm not saying that we will be perfect. I mean, I tried really hard, but it didn't work after day one. But we can try to make sure that we are respectful to their commands. He spoke graciously. Think about the temple. Even in a situation where he not corrected his mom, but pointed out to her, here's what really should be happening. He did it in a very respectful way. And as they were older, you find a time for me where Jesus spoke disparagingly of his adult parents where he complained that his mom was still around. 
Where he was like, oh, I got to go over and help her mow the lawn. I don't, I'm maybe, I got to go over and fix the table or whatever he would say. Like, he's not, he's on the cross and he's trying to take care of his mother as he's suffering. There's a respect. There's a love there. That's her needs before my needs. I need water, but I'm going to tell somebody to take care of my mom before I get the water that I need. What about when he was interacting with his friends? We have friends. How do we show them love? What did Jesus do? He prayed for them. We said that in so many different ways. He encouraged them and even confronted them when they were going contrary to what God had planned. Remember Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Look, I'm not telling you this week to find your closest friend and be like, hey, Satan, come here. I got I to confront you about something. But when needing to do so, Jesus spoke up and said, this needs to be corrected. Even pointing it out through questions, but sometimes just through direct statements to say, friend, I love you enough to tell you this is wrong. He knew their strengths. He knew their struggles, which means he took time with his friends to invest himself into their lives. To not just be the friend that was like, yeah, that's my friend slash acquaintance. No, this is my friend. I know what they need. I know how they struggle. I know how I can help them. How did he show love when he interacted with scripture? That seems kind of weird. Like, how do you love your Bible? No, I mean, how did he take scripture and use that to love others? He read and memorized God's word. He studied and applied God's word and then he discussed it and taught it to other people to say, this is so important. I love you enough to tell you, here's what God wants us to do. You have friendships, right? Are there some of your friends that if I was going to ask them, how much have they told you about their faith, about the Bible, about what they believe? They'd be like, I didn't even know. They did that. I didn't even know that they believed the Bible. Jesus took his relationships and shared God's word within that context because he loved his friends. He was deeply devoted to sharing the gospel in very personal, private, intimate conversations, definitely as he publicly proclaimed it to other people. And he challenged others to share what they knew. When he says to his disciples, go, go all over the world, make disciples. Take what you've learned and tell other people. Pastor Art made a comment in Sunday school. He said, look, the stuff we're talking through with this foundations Bible study to encourage you to be discipling others, you don't have to be a theological expert. Just introduce them to the basics that you've learned, some more of what you've learned, and encourage them to start studying the Bible for themselves, and then take what they've learned and share it with other people to be reproducing that's what Jesus was doing with Scripture within his friends. God's expectations are clear. Therefore, everything I told you, put off the old man, put on the new man, and be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Knowing this, what should you and I do next? Let's start with husbands. Husbands, how do we imitate God and love as Christ? You can start by doing this. Be your wife's spiritual leader. Tony, what does that mean? It will mean something different for you than it does for me. Does that mean that I like ask my wife what she read in her Bible? Maybe. Does that mean that um, when my wife comes to me with a Bible question, I'm the only one that can give her an answer? Not necessarily, but you should study enough to be able to answer her questions, to be able to point her in the right direction, to ask her, is there anything I can pray about for you? Can we pray together to be her spiritual leader because one day you're going to stand before Christ and you are responsible to an extent for her growth and relationship with Jesus Christ because you've been told you need to love your wife sacrificially to help her become more like Christ. Sacrifice your time and hobbies. I enjoy on Monday nights when I'm able to make it to come play basketball with some guys from the church. But what this might look like for me 
is if my wife says, I need to do such and such on Monday night. Can you watch the kids? Nope, 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 nope. Basketball, honey. Pencil it, nope. In with a Sharpie. Don't ever intervene. There are times when we need to give up our time and our hobbies. Your wife might say to you, I need to go grocery shopping. Can you watch the kids? It's okay. I was going to say you'll survive. I guess I should be more concerned about the kids surviving. There are times where we might have to take upon ourselves a little bit of discomfort to say, I want your needs to be met first. I want you to be able to have your time. Guys, we can set aside some of our stuff at times, right? To sacrifice our time, our hobbies for our wife. Speak honestly and kindly. How are you doing? Fine. What does that mean? I'm good. Can you say more than like three words together? Not really, honey. Right? Are you really fine? No, I said I'm fine. Stop asking. Maybe your wife wants to know a little bit more. One time when I was in seminary, one of the pastors doing a class, he said, guys, don't ever forget that your wife, when she asks you at the end of the day, how are you doing? How did things go? It might be because she wants you to describe for her how your day went so she can feel like she was part of your day with you because she loves you. I don't want her to ask me. She loves you guys. Take time to tell her how things were going. And when you talk, don't just ask the question and then zone out, right? Hey, honey, how was your day? Listen! Tony, I'm not a good listener. Then get better at it, guys, right? We can be listening to our wives, invested in them to show love, sacrificial to put them first. Have some realistic expectations. My wife can do lots of things. And for some reason, I think that she should do lots more things. And I don't think I'm the only one that's had realistic, unrealistic expectations of my spouse to say, well, well uh, yeah, you did great over there, but what about this? Over there was a lot to accomplish. And if you're not sure how, ask a question and listen as she describes how much it took to accomplish. Have some realistic expectations. And I wrote this one very specifically Help her out inside the house. Tony, I do all the yard work. I'm talking about inside. Like there's a whole other part of your property. It's inside the house. Like dishes, laundry. When we first got married, maybe even before we were married, we had this conversation. I remember it went very clearly. Look, we need to hash this out, Christina. Who's doing dishes and who's doing laundry? Because neither one of us wanted to do dishes. We were all about laundry, but not dishes. If you see, you see the dirty dishes. Guys, it's okay. You're allowed to have soft hands every now and then because of the water. You can even load the dishwasher. Not only fix the dishwasher, you could load the dishwasher. The one that gets me sometimes is how we complain because my wife forgot to replace the toilet paper roll after she used it all. The amount of time you spent complaining about how it could have been done, you could have done it already. What's the big deal? Just make sure it rolls the right way, right? Like over the top. That's what I mean. That's the, like that's a fighting conversation where you speak kindly and listen, okay? We take time to help out wives. How do we show love? We, we. How do you show love to your husbands? I'm not as good at this one, so I'm gonna take some guesses, okay? Be your husband's helper. That could include encouraging him because the last person after a hard day, after a long day, after a day of discouraging news or whatever it may be, the last person he wants tearing him down is the one that he loves the most. The one that he comes home to a safe place, to a stable home. And if it's there and all you do is point out the things he's done wrong, what kind of encouragement is that? Being a helper could simply be the one who volunteers to hold the flashlight while he fixes something. 
or being the one to do the laundry or being the one, honey, I know, can I iron your shirt? You don't do it the right way. Give her a chance, right? She wants to help. Speak respectfully to him and especially about him. Now again, these lists aren't exhaustive or exclusive to one another. They're just things that I'm trying to encourage you with this morning to love like Jesus. Speak respectfully about him to others. I am my husband. Man, what does that say? Especially if your kids are listening. And then you're like, why don't they talk good about their father? Their father, right? Express gratitude for the mundane. He's supposed to mow the grass. Tell him thank you. He's supposed to fill my car up with gas. Tell him thank you. He's supposed to change the toilet paper roll. Tell him thank you. You're like, yeah, it's just, it's stuff. We already talked about it. Talk about it again. Express gratitude for even the mundane things. Let him know you appreciate what he's done. Pursue his interests and passions. Tony, I hate sports. Just hate it for like 45 minutes. Sit next to him for 45 minutes and I, I, I don't know, like pretend that you're looking at the TV. Ask questions. And then husbands, if they ask questions and they want to know the answer, just respond in a kind way. You should know this by now, honey. We've talked about it 14 times. Talk about it a 15th time. She's expressing an interest in the thing that you enjoy. Have realistic expectations. We are amazing men. No. (laughs) Husbands can do a lot, but they can't do it all. Why can't you fix this? Because I don't know how. But you can call somebody. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have to be the one that always fixes it, but he can line up somebody who can. Why can't you make more money at work? Because they won't give me more. Why haven't you asked? I have. Realistic expectations when it comes to our spouse. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Together. That's the key word. Read through Ephesians 5, through 33. What does it mean to love your wife, to help your husband like Christ would? It's going to tell you right there. So you should check it out this week, the two of you. Read it together. See if there's a way you can improve. Okay. And we take God. Love is Christ. Parents, protect and provide for the kids. I do. They've got a bed. Sometimes the air conditioning is turned on. And when it gets really cold, they turn up the heat. Protect, provide for them. Well, they, what does that mean? It's going to mean something different for you than it does for me. Sometimes you might have to intervene in their friendships. You might have to show up at school to help them work out an issue. I'm not saying like you show up and you're like, hey, fourth grader, I want to talk to you. Come here. Quit picking on my kid. Not like that. You might have to get involved Oh, but I have to work. Take the day off. You're given a bunch of days off. Well, maybe you're not. But I mean, if you're a pastor, it's just Sundays. Then you have like six days off. And so, yeah. <laughs> one person said to me one time, they said, in all seriousness, you just work Sundays, right? And I was like, uh, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to show up. Provide for them. Well, I give them all that they need. Sometimes you could provide for their wants. So they see out of love that you're willing to, dad, that you're willing to actually open the wallet and spend money on your children. No, we need to save money. Saving money is good. Steward it well, but sometimes steward it towards your children. That could go a long way. But don't be the parent who shows up and is always fixing your kids' problems. How does that prepare them for later? Up, up. You show up at school and you do talk to the teacher. I need you to do this for my child. How is that going to help your kid feel? How is that going to go over? You need to prepare your child. That might mean you need to sit down and take time to walk them through what a, what's that thing called with a check, check ledger? Is that the right word? Obviously, I don't do it so well, right? You need to balance your checkbook. So 
My wife does that. That's her skill. But we just use credit cards and one day we'll pay it off, I think. Um, that might mean that you, as all joking aside, you sit down and you prepare your child to understand, here's how finances work. Here's how you tithe. Here's how you steward. Here's what a budget looks like. Here's why we can't spend extra this week. And you might even, we did this with our son several months ago. We said, Preston, we need you to stop just spending every time you get your money. Like that's going to work when you make that statement. So we said, if you set aside this amount of money for 30 days, we did 90 days, we did three months, then we will double that amount and give it to you. I mean, it worked. He set aside that money. He didn't spend it until day like 91. And then it was spent. And then like since then, it's still spend, spend, spend. But to take time as a parent to prepare your child for later in different situations. Provoke them, not to wrath, but to love others. What does that mean? Show them how they can express love to a friend, how they can help somebody else out, how at church, here's how you can get involved. Be patient and consistent. I feel like these are the two things that as a parent, it's the most difficult to do, is to be patient and be consistent. And early on, when our son was young, I said, Preston, I want you to learn what patience is. So here, repeat after me. Patience, 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 patience. And there's times where they will ask the same question over and over and over and over again. Anybody ever experienced that? And it's easy to give the same answer, but to keep a patient tone with the same answer over and over again, that's the challenge. And when it comes to helping them understand this is what God says we should do, this is what God says we shouldn't do, be consistent in your discipline so that they understand who God is. And there might be times where you just say, I'm not going to discipline you at this moment. I'm going to extend grace so you understand what God's grace is like. But you be patient. You be consistent. You discuss and apply God's word. That's just for you to do with my kids on Sunday, Tony. We'll do that. But that's for you to do with your kids throughout the week. Kids, not just the little tiny ones. Some of us are still kids to our parents, right? We are respectful in our words and our actions. We speak well about our parents to other people. We are obedient without bargaining. Yeah, dad, I know what you told me to do, but I'm going to do this first. Or like, can I? Anybody, you've told your kids what to do, and the next thing they say is, okay, can I please, as if they're, it's a polite bargain. Anybody, you've ever had your kids bargain with you? Several months ago, I just looked at my son, and I said, that's it. This is not a bargain anymore. Like, I've allowed you to do this, and I didn't even realize it was happening. Preston, this is what you were told to do, so you'll do it now. Oh, that's not, our daughter said to us two weeks ago. Right, Christina? Eden said, I feel like this isn't fair, what you're asking me to do. And I was like, I feel like you're seven and you shouldn't be able to ask that question yet, <laughs> right? And then it was like, you're right, it's not fair. This is what God told you to do, so here's what you're gonna do. Kids, when mom and dad tells you what to do, teens, not adults, but teens, there's times where you do it without bargaining. There's times when bargaining's okay, but not when it's just the, yeah, sure, mom and dad, but just first. No, not but first. Like, this is what you're gonna do. As our parents grow older, we care for them as they age. And some of you, I want to thank you without saying your names right now to embarrass you. You have been such a great example for me. I'm not saying my parents are at that age yet. Please don't tell my dad I said that when he gets back. <laughs> I'm saying some of you are such a great example that we've been able to point others to you to say this is what it means to love your parents as they age, to care for your parents. Be patient with your siblings. Even as we get older, patient with your siblings. 
Mom and dad have now passed away and it's our responsibility to divide everything down. Patient with your siblings. It's just taking six months, eight months, a year. We're still dealing with this. Patient with your siblings. Maybe together, mom and dad. Kids, you want to read Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. Study, discuss God's word. What does it mean to be a parent who loves, a child who loves, who is like Christ? Maybe that's something that you should do this week. When it comes to work, how do we imitate God? How do we love as Christ? Be careful of your testimony as you converse, as you interact with people. Actions say so much more than our words. How am I being like Christ in my work environment? Work hard even from home. Tony, they'll never know. It doesn't matter. God does. He's our ultimate boss. He's the one we work for. I just want to kind of take it. I get it. I get it. There's days where you're kind of like, I just need to take it easy today. But if every day is a, I just need to take it easy today, it says a lot more about your work ethic, about your understanding of what God is calling you to do. There may be times at work where you're like, I don't want to be here, God, but God has you there, so be content where he has you. At times you might need to confront what is happening or even to conform. I'm not like saying, I'm just going to do whatever I'm told, even if it'll... There are times when we do need to conform because this isn't asking me to go against God's word. As we work, how do we imitate God? How do we show love? We lead if we're in charge and treat our employees correctly. What does that mean? God's word talks about it. He says, remember your biggest boss. Tony, I don't, I can't figure out what should I do at work. Read through Ephesians chapter six, five through nine and start writing down what God calls you to do and think through what this means you should be doing in your specific work situation to be more like God, more like Christ. School. Those of you who are in school, imitate God, love is Christ, respectfully listen, follow as your teachers are trying to instruct you. It doesn't hurt to say thank you to them. Yeah, it's their job. Yeah, but they're putting in a lot of work and effort. And the staff that helps takes care of the things. Like what kind of things? Like they push the chairs back in that were all over the place. They clean the floors. They make sure that you have your lunch. They're preparing the things that you need when you go home. Make sure you give them a thank you. There might be times, guys, when you have to confront your friends for the choices that they've made. Why should I do that? Because God did, and he says you are supposed to be like him. Evaluate your friendships. Make sure they're the kind that are compelling you to be more like Christ. And there might be times where just reach out and start a new friendship. Yeah, I already got my group. Like, we four and no more, right? What about that new kid? How do they become part of a four? Maybe they need to be invited. I'm not saying you have to become best friends with the new kid. I'm just saying you can be friendly with those around you and create and foster friendships and seek in that environment as best you can to share the gospel. You have an opportunity to interact with somebody five days a week, potentially for several hours. Why not take advantage of that situation to get to know them, to create a friendship, to share the gospel with them? Another situation at home. What does it mean to imitate God, love as Christ? And I don't mean just the interpersonal relationships. I mean like with the home God has given you. Learn to live with one another, okay? We recently had our windows replaced and before we had them replaced, I was walking outside on the sidewalk and I realized how much people could hear about what was going on inside our home. I'm not embarrassed about what they heard, but I know I can hear my neighbors too. Learn to live with one another. 
share your time and your stuff. It's not your stuff anyway. It's just the stuff that God said, I need you to steward it right now. So use it to give to others if they have a need. Pray together for your community. I'm supposed to share the gospel with those people. No, with these people too. Yeah, but they're my neighbors. I got to see them every day. I don't want them to think I'm weird. What do you want them to think you are? The guy who says he's a Christian but doesn't love Jesus enough to tell him about who he is? Get to know your neighbors. Yeah, but they're not Christians. Not yet. At some point, you were a not Christian, right? Aren't you glad somebody got to know you and shared the gospel with you? Seek to share your faith. At church, how do we imitate God and love his Christ? We look out for the needs of others. We all have needs. We want people to see our needs, but will we look out and find the needs of others? Yeah, but that takes time. I don't want to ask probing questions. Why not? I mean, in a good way. Not like a, hey, tell me what's wrong with you today. But a way that we're looking out for the needs of others. Participate in church. Don't just take. I mean, I feel like we have good stuff to give you at church, but we could definitely use you to help give good stuff to other people. Participate. Serve. Visit others. Greet people when they walk in the door. Sing together. Teach other people what you've learned. I don't know it all. I don't know it all either, right? But we know what we know when we can teach and share that with others. Pray for and with others in the church. Seek to disciple, to mentor, to train. Show up to Sunday school to, to see that information. Watch it online, our foundation stuff, to understand how can I take this disciple book and help teach others who God is and how they can be like him. On my social media, I'm no expert when it comes to this either, but I know you can use it to share your faith. I know that you can be wise in the way that you comment. Because what you say, man, it's an offending comment. Only a couple hundred people will read it, but maybe the wrong part of a hundred people. Somebody's going to read it and be like, wait, I thought you said you were a Christian. Why would you say something like that? Why are you even paying attention to that? Why are you liking this? What, what's going on? You say this thing over here, but this doesn't really line up with what you say you are over there. Don't follow what angers you. People complain about what they see on social media. Then stop looking on social media. Oh, I'm going to complain, 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 complain. Then do something about it. You know, God saw what was wrong around him. Jesus Christ did. But it's not like he ran to find it and to tell everybody else about it. Here's one. As you think about that, avoid prying. Well, they put it on social media. Maybe that was a mistake. They, they didn't need to put it on there. But then you're like, but everybody else needs to know about it. Avoid prying and then gossiping about others. But look, this is a great tool. Be attentive to others. If you see they're struggling, if you see that they've just experienced something, um, they might be sharing some great news, then rejoice with them. They might be saying they're really sad, then weep with them. That's what we're told to do. This isn't a platform in which we can do it. Christians, we must try to be like Christ. Because Tony said it? No. Because God did. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So as you go throughout this week, there's two things that I want you to think about. This week, make sure that number one, you belong to Christ. Are you a follower of God? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Have you at some point in your life asked him to forgive you for being a sinner and become part of his family? 
If not, I'd encourage you to do that. And if you have any questions, whether you're here, whether you're watching online, I'd love to be able to entertain those questions, to discuss with you, to show you what the Bible says about how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. So I'm going to hang out up here afterwards if you have any questions. If you want to talk today, great. If you want to reach out during the week, I'll be here. I do work more than just Sundays. So I'll be here during the week if you want to get together. But after you belong to Christ, make sure that you will be like Christ this week. So there's this thing that we have in our office. This is the office here at church. Most of you have seen it before. And just inside, around the door, see that yellow piece of paper on the wall? That's where we move our magnets around to say if we're in for the day or not. In, out, and we'll return, out for the day. And over the course of the last several years, I got bored with just a round sticker or magnet. And so I found a Viking sticker, threw it up there for Pastor. Pastor Art and I, we kind of changed ours every now and then. I would change it for you. At one point, I had a bunch of superheroes up. Again, superheroes. I had them up there for everybody. And then I finally settled on this one. I don't know if you can see. There's like, you probably can't see so well. There's like star sunglasses on there. That's not the point that I was focusing on. My kids came in to work with me this week. They've been hanging out with me. And Eden said, Dad, why do you have that funny-looking man up there as your magnet? And I said, that's to remind me to be like Jesus. That's the Lego guy that, to me, I have that most looks like Jesus. And in a little simple way, every time I come in in the morning, shift the magnet. When I leave at the end of the day, shift the magnet. Just as a reminder to me that I need to be like Jesus. And I encourage you this week to be like Jesus. Therefore, be imitators of God as his beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. He gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Go be like Jesus. Let's pray. God, we cannot be like you on our own. We need your help. And so we beg and we ask that you would help us to be open to your leading this week. First of all, if there's anyone here or listening who doesn't know for sure that they are part of your family, I pray that they would reach out, that we would have the opportunity to show them from your word what you say about their relationship with you so they can know for sure that they're on their way to heaven. Those of us who have that relationship with you, please help us to be like you as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a classmate, as an employee or an employer, as a neighbor, as a church member, as an attendee, as a human. Help us to be like you this week. In your name we pray. Amen.